0: Friends, our second scripture reading this day comes to us from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, as 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, and if you would like to follow along in the Pew Bible, it is on page 167 in the New Testament section. Uh, of course, you are more than welcome to follow along uh, on the screen or in a Bible of your own choosing if you have one with you here or at home. Let us listen now to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as fleshy as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still fleshy. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not fleshy and behaving according to human inclinations? For for when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are are you not all too human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and each will receive wage according to their labor. For we are God's co-workers working together, as you are God's field, God's building. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Quite honestly, I don't know a whole lot about uh, sports, even though today is a day where many will be watching a sport. But I do know that probably uh, baby food, uh, quarreling, and being argumentative, uh, a winning team does not make. Uh, Though to be true as well, uh, as we hear in Paul's letter, all these things, baby food, quarreling, arguments, they also do not make a church and this is how the church in Corinth operated until they received this letter from Paul who sets them back on the right path. Paul writes to the Corinthians to call out their disunity and to remind them of the faith that gives life. Their faith was meant to give them life, but instead, as we hear this morning, it seems to be a breeding ground instead for disunity, there are words in our reading this week that speak to our ever-divided society, speak to our ever-divided hearts, speak to our ever-divided spirits, and speaks to the practice of faith, perhaps practices of faith we have ignored or forgotten. The cure, the cure to all these things, to our woes, lies, lies, And what Paul says this morning to the Corinthians lies in the unifying and life-giving power that is found in the heart of God. The question then for us this morning is how do we move from a state of beginning, a state of infancy, to a mature faith? What we don't find in this reading is that Paul has already taken the Corinthians to task in the chapter preceding the one for today. He refers to the Corinthians as not belonging to the group of people who are mature enough to understand the wisdom of God. And Paul expands upon this work, the words he said in his previous chapter, by further telling them in what we find today, that they are not yet ready for solid food. Their faith is infantile, not yet mature. How could they possibly feast on the knowledge God can provide when their hearts cannot partake of the most basic spiritual food? As we will see, this contributes to the dissent among the church in Corinth in Paul's words of reproach and correction. But Paul's reproach, Paul's correction of the Corinthians this morning is much more than that. It's much more than Paul saying that they were immature. Because what also lies within the context of the reading for today is that Paul is undercutting the self-image they have built up for themselves. The Corinthians believed that they were spiritual people, that they were wise that they could understand what God wanted them to do. They believed that their church was ready. But Paul takes them to task uh, once again, telling this group of believers not only are they not grown up, but they have a lot of work to do in looking past their infantile self-assessments and the belief that they are spiritually mature people. It's a question, and it is a challenge for us as well today, hearing these words from Paul, as we ponder whether or not our own faith has grown, whether our faith has matured, one might say. If we were to look back at our faith, even weeks or months or even a year or so, Is it the same? Is our faith today the same as it was a year ago? Perhaps it is. And that that's okay. But we should see some kind of arc, some kind of trajectory that sees us growing in our faith. And if not, I believe Paul is saying that we, like the Corinthians, then need to reevaluate what we are doing with our spiritual lives. This kind of assessment, this kind of questioning of Paul, continues. This continues as Paul begins to address the disunity, the division among them, as the church in Corinth tries to rally behind different leaders. Some like Apollos, maybe Apollos was a better preacher than Paul, I don't know. But some like Paul more than Apollos. But Paul does not give in to their either-or mentality. Instead, what we see in the reading for today is that Paul places himself, and Apollos, on either side of God, with God being the center, God being the primary reason why they are there in the first place. Why they strive to build community and partake in the work of ministry. This is important for us because for us, it's a reminder that we are not the answer. We are not the answer to all the problems, all the pains, all the hurts. God is. We might help each other along the way. We might hear, as in our reading today, prepare the soil. We might use our talents, our gifts. But God is the one who makes it grow. It's when we lose sight of the talents we have received, the gifts we have received, and believe that we are the answer where things begin to go off the rails. And we begin to roll backward into spiritual immaturity. It's an interesting question, I think, for us today as modern day disciples people who come to church, people who strive to live the best lives they can. How do we view our role in the building up of God's kingdom? Certainly, I don't think any one of us holds the answer. Not one of us is able to do it all by ourselves. Not one of us can undo the chains that bind us, that oppress us, that cause hurt, because it is a community effort one in which when we pull our talents together, we find that God takes what we offer together to make a new thing come forward. I think it's especially true as we find that as we look, not just in our church for disagreements we might have, but in our community, and our society. Again, Well, you talk about Apollos or Paul, I think we tend to rally around a couple of groups, I would say, as having all the answers or being the one who holds all the truth. But all that being said, we hear that that is not where the answer lies, that it lies with God. But there's another concern I have about the rollback of our spiritual maturity, and it plays into one of my greatest fears for us as the church, as the American church. We might not have disciples, we may not have apostles the same way they did in Scripture, but we have ideologies, we have mentalities that we rally behind, many of which are toxic. One such poisonous idea we've seemed to gather around is as the American church, I think is perfectly summarized in a, in a musing I saw by a Reverend Laura Grohn. And she writes this, I fear that as long as the reason we invite people to our religious institutions is so they can fill our pews, take over our volunteer projects, and give us money, we're going to end up hurting people who come to us looking for a connection to the divine and authentic spiritual community. Because it's deeply painful to want to be in relationship with someone and to find out they only really want us to keep their institution going. I say that this is one of the most toxic, most poisonous ideologies we've rallied behind as having an answer being the key to saving the church because we've come to brand this out of some kind of American spirituality is one that reflects our economic values. We want people so they can benefit us. We want, we want things from them. We want to create a transactional relationship, but never form community. We want relationships as long as they end up helping us. This ideology, though, does not fit within the faith that Paul is preaching to the Corinthians. It is not one of the mentalities, the ideologies that lead us to the sense of community Paul is trying to write, to encourage, to foster. True faith cannot grow. True community cannot form if we buy into prophetic words that come from human values instead of the values of God. And this concern for us, the American church, Applies to us because it is a conviction for us as how we will conduct our lives. Because as we hear in the reading for today, as much as the world wants us to say that we have to rally behind X or Y or Z, A, B, or C, the Word of God is antithetical to the words and definitions for success and for community. we've been sold. As much as a struggle as that might be for us to try and overcome, Paul does give words of hope, leaves us with a good word by reminding us that nothing happens without God. We can try to bring people in for alternative motives, but friends, that isn't going to work. We could try to cultivate our own faith in a way that We try and take shortcuts or shortchange others and ourselves. But again, it's not going to work because it falls short of the heart of God. Paul's encouragement lies in the truth that regardless of how many voices, regardless of whether we're following Apollos or Paul, regardless of the divisions, the various opinions, the work ahead of us internally and externally, requires that we trust God. Requires that we will trust that God will make the seeds we plant grow. So in our own spiritual lives, in our spiritual lives as a community of faith, instead of worrying, instead of fretting, that whether or not we are going to hit our benchmark for the budget, or whether we're going to hit our benchmark for attendance or for hitting our goals in whatever Bible study or reading we're doing, whether we're praying enough, those things aren't the point. The point, as we hear this morning, is that as long as we focus our hearts, our minds, on the good intent, the faithful intent of building community, God will take care of the rest. If we start from a place instead of worrying about trying to hit a goal we set and instead focus on forming relationships with each other, with those in our community, with God in our own spiritual lives and as a community, if we focus on ways that we cultivate healthy spiritual lives, healthy community, if we start with that, we will end up heading towards the place God has set before us. For remember what it means in our reading for today to be willing to take a risk by answering the call like these first disciples in the search of something new. We recall that the gifts of God that we have received are not for one person, but for all. And we remember through Paul's preaching that we are co-laborers, co-workers, co-partners with God. Our spiritual maturity does not bear fruit by itself, but instead helps prepare the fertile ground for God to work the soil. By being co-laborers, co-partners in God's redemptive work, we discover that our hearts will be transformed, that these divisions, these lines we have created will begin to disappear as we align ourselves more closely with the heart of God. It is essential that we realize our limitations, that we don't double down on the components of our lives that do not bring life or purpose. For when we center our lives on God, on what God has set before us as individuals, as the community, and on the mission, we see God's work unfold before our very eyes. So let us keep this lesson in mind as we prepare for the upcoming Lenten season and beyond, as we commit our lives in such a way where we encourage the growth and the maturity that God so desires for us. Not because of anything of our own doing, but because God is the one, the master gardener, who helps to tend the soil we have prepared and to bring about new and wonderful things. Amen. Thanks again for listening